I was struck by Allie's phrase at the end of her prayer, we need you to, to reign in us today. What does that mean? If, when, when Pastor Allie says that, what does that mean? Help me unpack it, because I'm going to see, I'm going to try to perceive what I think, I wonder what the Lord's doing. So what does it mean? He reigns in us. What does reign mean? Pardon me? Come down. Pardon me? Okay, lives in us. Reigns, lives. What else? In charge. What else? He rules our lives, okay? So let me ask you a question. So how does that happen? So we can make these affirmations. As Dali said, we can make these declarations, but how does it happen? So I'm going to... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide how hard I can push today. Because I don't want to come across as this old fart again. I keep hearing, you know, I'm getting so stinking old, blah, 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 blah. So, here's what I'm thinking about. Let me tell you a couple stories. This is, where I'm, this is where I'm coming from. So, someone from our church goes to an eating place on Sunday after church. And in a public eating place, berates the wait staff. 16-year-old girls being berated because the food is not there quick enough. I've just been in church. What does it mean Jesus reigns when I treat a 15 or 16-year-old girl like a, a slave? Or another story, similar, a 16-year-old girl is a hostess in another place in our community, after church. Christian neighbors of this girl's family, as they come in, there's this protocol the restaurant follows to, to seat people. She's following the protocol, 16-year-old girls doing what she's being asked to do. And the people harangue her and yell at her. And then they walk out of the restaurant and tell everybody in line, you don't want to go in this place because the service stinks. And the next day, the family of the 16-year-old girl sees these other Christian people in the mall. What is your response to these Christians? What does it mean to reign at the restaurant? What does it mean Jesus reigns with your phones? Listen to the statement. The research is out. It is, it is, I don't think you can argue with it. Many of us are as addicted to our phones as a heroin addict is to heroin. You want to test it? Don't pick up your phone for two days. A heroin addict cannot go one day without heroin. Can I go one day without my phone? For preparing for this uh, this morning, The Fruit of the Spirit of Self-Control, I did a whole bunch of research. Fascinating little book called Seekers to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. So this is where, I, I need an umbrella of mercy here. I'm not saying that companies like Facebook and Twitter are sinister organizations bent on ruining the world. They're just companies doing what companies do, trying to maximize value for their shareholders by delivering audiences to advertisers. But it's worth noting that their ability to accomplish these goals involves, listen now, involves capturing as much as the Americans' time and attention as possible. Google has taken the quest to new heights. In these past years, they pioneered what's called A-B testing. 
that has strained even the engineering staffs at one of the most powerful companies in the world. They test things like 51 shades of blue to entice you to stay on their, on their, on their, on their programs. These links to companies you're going are to grab our time and attention is unprecedented. Listen to this. For the first time in human history, the smartest people in the world are armed with limitless funds, mountains of data, powerful alg algorithms, and a profound understanding of human psychology. They are creating a world of addicts. The constant distraction on your time and attention is not nearly as significant as what it's doing to your soul. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... Now, what I want to do this morning is help you see there's a difference between biblical self-control and willpower. This morning, I'm not talking about willpower. But let me quickly define willpower for you. Willpower has two, research tells us there are two ways to describe our willpower. They call it state, S-T-A-T-E, or trait, T-R-A-I-T. State is just a, a uh, when you're in a certain place and you exercise a certain amount of willpower in terms of context. Trait is how you have personally been given willpower and the volume of willpower that's part of your person. We have differing amounts. But listen to this. What is common in all the research is that when your willpower has come to its end, and we all have an end point, it is normal at the end of willpower to move into bad choices and often sin. The fruit of the Spirit is something that is cultivated in us that helps us be like, have the character of, and live like Jesus. And so self-control is not something we do. Self-control is part of who we are. Now, what's really interesting for me, I'm going to show you in a minute, I think self-control actually all goes back to love. Ancient Greeks, listen to this. The ancient Greeks said the primary virtue of humankind was self-control. Those who were self-controlled, according to the Romans and the Greeks, controlled the world. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something different. So can I invite you to open your Bibles, please, to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to read just a few verses, but before I do, I want to read one more paragraph from this book entitled, again, the title is Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. And there's a, there, in the 60s, there was a very large study called Resisting Marshmallows. And what they did is they took a test group of children, and they said to the children, if you could hold your marshmallow and not eat it for 15 minutes, there would be a better opportunity to receive a reward. And so what they did, they tried to track the kids to who could resist taking an, eating a marshmallow for 15 minutes. And so the study was kind of interesting, and they just put it aside. 
But what was really interesting is, by a fluke, 40 years later, someone found the research. And by a coincidence of some kind, they began to track the same people, the marshmallow kids, 40 years before. And they ran studies with the same people 40 years later. Let me read what the research found. It showed that self-control was paramount and affected virtually every area of life. Study after study since this in the 60s has linked self-control, now this is, this is, not, this is secular self-control, to favorable life outcomes, including better relationships, higher incomes, higher levels of happiness. Peter, people with greater self-control are more sociable, honest, and sacrificial. People with more self-control have lower rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and aggression. They live longer. If you could bottle, bottle self-control, it would be one of the most valuable resources on the earth. This is all secular stuff. Secular stuff says self-control is critical. Okay, now let me just make them back. I'm going to come to my phone. So I'm going to talk about cultivating the fruit of the Spirit with holy habits. So I've told you before, I, I am trying to really be my... So since I have been using my phone on a regular basis for X years, what I am finding in me is my attention span is shortening. My ability to think is lessening. My ability to follow complex thoughts over longer, longer periods, I'm not able to do it. I find myself being quickly agitated and becoming far more judgmental. So I have made a decision, and I told you this before, for every hour I'm on my phone, I will spend one hour in word and spirit. Why? I want to develop holy habits. I'll give you an example. Thursday night, I met with elders and deacons in the chapel. Talked to one of them who lives in, works in Des Moines. He said, it is not uncommon for me to drive from Des Moines to Pella and never once think about how I, I don't even know how I got home. I don't think about anything except I'm in my driveway. What is that? We create neural pathways. Listen to this. Again, research says 40 to 50% of what we do is driven by habits, not what we think. It's just ingrained. This is what we do. So I want to cultivate a life with Jesus with holy habits. So what I am doing, this is just me, I'm trying to follow an example of a man named Frank, L-A-U-B-A-C-H, a missionary to India in the last century. He was used by the Lord to bring literacy to the poorest castes of India. But besides that, he did something very interesting. In his own, I'm reading his personal diary. And what he began to do is say, Lord, I want to think about you every minute. So I'm de develop holy habits. So I read his diary, and so he would, he, would, he would think about Jesus quite a little bit, and then he wouldn't, and then he wouldn't. But what over time, listen to this now, over time, he writes, I was able to think about Jesus almost every minute of my life at the end. Years of practice. He is developing holy habits. 
One of, my, one of the things I'm poking at with my concerns with social media is it is, it is so powerfully addictive. I'm going to say this again. Please hear me. Many of us are as addicted to our phones and social media as a heroin addict is to heroin. If you don't believe me, put your phone down for two days. Talk to a president of a Christian college this week. There is, the levels of despair and hopelessness and brokenness in the student body is such, they're going to reconfigure the eating area. They're going to put round tables. They're going to require the students to take their phones and turn them off and put them on a basket. And they're going to try to get the students to talk to each other because they don't know how to help so many students who are contemplating suicide and addictions because they're so lonely and broken and depressed because their only friend is the thing they're addicted to. So what we're talking about here is not willpower. It's cultivating a life with Jesus. So what am I trying to do? Word-filling, spirit-filling, fruit-bearing. So this is just me. I'm trying to learn to think Jesus every minute. I'm not doing it, but I'm trying. And I hope by the time I am gone, I have learned to think. Why? Because it's his life in us. It's his life. See, that, 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 that's... In Galatians 5, the flesh, the fruit of the flesh will hold us in captivity, in bondage. And the fruit of the Spirit is intended to give us freedom. So I used the example before, playing the piano. If I played the piano, it'd be pathetic. I can try, but I've not practiced. But we have many accomplished musicians who can play the piano and they play so, how can they play so well? They have habits. Brothers and sisters, hear me now. You cannot, you cannot be like Jesus if you don't develop holy habits. It's not possible. The gifts of the Spirit are given, yes, yes, yes. But the fruit of the Spirit is cultivated. Titus chapter 2. Could you open your Bibles, please, to Titus chapter 2? Then, Dave, can I have slide 3, please? So let me give, give you the word of what self-control is. There are four Greek words for self-control. The word that we're using here is this one. Self-control is the ability to pursue the important. Look at this now. Self-control is the ability to pursue the important rather than always be impulsive or uncontrolled. One more example, technology. What those who study the arts tell us is that the level and quality of the arts in culture today is diminishing. And one of the things they're postulating is that people are not bored enough. Now follow me. When we are bored in America today, what's our first response? Right? In line. But how does creativity happen? It's when we're bored. As we are bored, we start to move into creative places. 
It is in creative places where the Spirit begins to give us creative ideas. So self-control, this word, helps us to focus on what's important, not be impulsive and not to be uncontrolled. So the counterfeit, this comes from Timothy Keller, is willpower based on pride, the need to feel in control. Listen to this. To be self-controlled is to surrender. Well, let me show you. Galatians, Titus chapter 2. Particular verses 11 through 15, then we'll go back. Please hear these words of the Lord. For the grace of God has appeared to offer salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Okay, can you hold your finger right there? We'll go back to Galatians. Okay, Galatians 5 again. Can you go over them? Just a couple of books back. Okay, so I'm going to read Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Look at verses 19 through 21. Cultivating this life with Jesus, this grace of Jesus, we do not give ourselves to sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So back to Galatians, uh, Titus 2, it, it, verse 12, Titus 2, 12, we're going to go back and forth now, 2, 12, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control, upright, and godly lives. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now look what the text says. Against these things there is no law. For those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. That's a holy habit. Kill the flesh. Let me just stop for one second. The language here is brutal. If I, if I could translate it literally to you, when Paul talks about crucifying the flesh, or in, in Corinthians when he talks about some specific actions, it is gory, bloody, yucky language. He says, crucify the flesh. I want you to think crucifixion. So when you crucified someone, you whipped the crap out of them, you laid them on a great piece of wood, you took great big spikes, and you smashed them through the body. And then you do the same thing with the legs. That's what we're supposed to do with fleshly desires. Kill it. Kill it so much that blood is flying. Now, this is gruesome language, but why? Unless we, unless we destroy these fleshly desires, crucify them, we give ourselves to unholy habits. Like, on my screen, 8, 12 hours a day. So when I'm on my screen, there, there can be some good things on my screen. Communication, doing our jobs, yeah, that's all good. But how many hours do I need to be on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram? How long? 
And how about the pressure young people feel if you don't respond in the right amount of time? Oh, you lose relationships. We have to kill those things that are killing us. And then we say yes to the things that give life. So self-control actually brings us back to love. If I am a person of self-control, focusing on what is important, then when I have to wait 10 minutes at a restaurant, I don't say to a young girl, what is your stinking problem? Get your head out of your rear end. Don't you know who I am? I'm busy. Come on. No. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Remember gentleness last week? To be a person of gentleness, you see a person of value and worth. This young woman is someone's daughter or sister. She's a fine young woman, and I am yelling, yelling, yelling. What does that tell you about me? Let me quote Jesus. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I talked to some parents who were going to a sporting event and sometimes things get kind of interesting in the stands. So they asked, what could be done to help the parents in the stands? And the idea was, buy a bag, a bag of Tootsie Roll Pops and stick it in their mouths. Speaking of sports and the fruit of the Spirit, I want to shout out to Pella Christian Boys basketball team. I don't know if you heard about this, but just several weeks ago, there was a tragic death in Van Meter. And I'm so grateful for leaders in our own basketball program who provided some simple gifts, and the players and coaches in Pella Christian wrote to the players in Van Meter, many of whom have no, I'm, we don't know, probably have, don't have a relationship with the church. And I heard some stories about this. That's what I'm talking about. See, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Instead of trouncing a team that you don't like because they're really good in football and wrestling and blah, 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 blah. They had a tragic death. A young man died suddenly, unexpectedly. But how does that happen? Okay, now, what would Jesus do? No. Someone in, the, in, in this organization just said, what would Jesus do is reach out to young boys whose lives have been rapidly, significantly disrupted by the tragic death of a teammate. I'm guessing it didn't take a whole bunch of thinking. It just came out of... How does it happen? Someone's developing holy habits. Someone's thinking about Jesus. Word filling. Spirit filling. Fruit bearing. We don't have to think. It just, it just comes. It's a part of us. That's, that's this amazing thing. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's how, that's how we live. Well, I'm, I'm running around. Back to Titus 2. Back, back to Titus. Yikes. Titus 2. So just look, just for fun, look at chapter 2, verse 2. Titus 2, verse 2. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled. Verse 4, speaking to young women. Verse 5, to be self-controlled and pure. Verse 6, to young men, 
To be self-controlled, then verse 12, to be self-controlled. What is self-controlled? Slide three again. So self-control is the ability to pursue the important. Next slide. Now watch the next slide now. What self-control ultimately requires is surrender. It's surrendering to Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to you, Lord. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to develop holy habits. So instead of checking all the ESPN scores, Milwaukee Bucks, stats the NBA, whatever I do here, I'm going to do here. Do you know what just happened to me? I've turned my phone off a boatload. Now here's the fleshly side. Because I made a promise. For how many hours on my phone, I've got to read my stinking Bible. Ay, 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 ay. Three hours of phone, three hours of Bible. That's, that's the flesh. But if I want to develop godly habits, it's a conversation. Lord, what do you have for me? What would you speak to us? How can you shape us? But hear me again now. Please hear me. Many of us are addicted to our phones as a heroin addict is to heroin. So listen to this. When it comes to self-control, the only lone ranger is a dead ranger. We need each other. The reason I'm telling you some of these things of my personal life, I'm telling you, one, to be accountable. So next time you can see me, you say, hey, how's phone Bible going, Kevin? Because the only Lone Ranger is a dead ranger. But what about you? With whom are you in relationships? And with whom are you saying, would you help me cultivate holy habits? How about a holy habit like, as soon as I sin, I confess my sin. Learn to confess your sin. Someone came to see me a couple days ago, some stuff that was shame-producing, self-condemning, blah, blah, blah. And so I just said, um, I took this person to a cross. I said, lay on the floor and just put your arms around the base of the cross. I'll leave you there. I'll come back in five minutes. The person laid on the floor, held the cross. I said, now confess whatever you need to confess to Jesus. And she did. And I came back and said, how are you? She said, something has been lifted. So I asked her to stand. I said, may I touch your face? She said, yes. I put my hands on each side of her face. I said, honey, in the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. So whenever I catch myself sinning, and sin in some ways, I've learned, I've developed a holy habit of confessing it. Just name it. Just name it. It's a habit. I've learned to confess it. I've learned to confess my sin. How about this? How many times, how many times in a day do you think I say this? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. I have learned a holy habit. Before I respond to an email, I say that out loud. It's a habit. Before I interact a room for a conversation, I have learned I have a habit. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. These holy habits do what? They just connect us to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He lives his life through us. So really quick. Um, 
Slide six, I'm gonna go back to, I got 10 emails about this last week. Give me a, a next one. Nope, keep going down, sorry. I got, I got, I got six on mine, Beca biblical self-control. There we go. So last week, the bottom one, the bottom thing got six, 10 emails responses. I said last week Sunday that we're influenced more by what we desire than what we believe. So go back to the top. Biblical self-control is about keeping our loves in right order. When the loves are right in order, something happens. Because what? Listen now. We only do what we love. We always operate out of our loves. We are influenced far more by our desires than our beliefs. We want to fall hopelessly in love with Jesus. And as he lives his life through us, what we love changes. So having lost Kirk, I find it interesting, I used to, so as a recovering three in the endogram, it's interesting for me, I, when I, before, before Kirk died, I could probably see 12 to 15 people in a day, our person. And basically, it was a conveyor belt. I needed to listen and care and pray and get you out the door in an hour because they had another someone coming in. But since Kirk has died, I don't schedule things like that anymore. That's why I'm so slow in responding because if we sit together, we're going to sit together till we're done. I'm developing new holy habits. Not getting people out to go to the next appointment. Lord, what should we share together? What do you have for us? Holy habits. Remember, our loves drive us. So what do you love? Our loves and desires drive us. How about this one? Number nine. I gotta quit. Can I ask you to have a brief conversation together? Neighborhood conversation? There we go. Thank you. So what I've been trying to say over these last nine weeks is word filling plus spirit filling equals fruit bearing. And I said, I've been saying for these nine weeks, the fruit of the spirit is the character of Jesus. So could we take just a couple minutes if you're willing, if you're able, if you choose, could you share, are you becoming more like Jesus? And whatever, where, how, when. Let's have some conversation, and then I'd like you to talk back. So if you don't want to do it, take a nap, pretend you're praying or do something. Go to your phones. No, don't do that. Don't. <laughs> On your marks, get set, go. Okay, can I just, thank you. Could I just, could I just, could we just hit the, the umbrella of mercy? If you sense in your own person that you're becoming more like Jesus, you sense changes. Can you just raise your hand so we can up high? Don't, don't be afraid to brag about Jesus here. Good, we're seeing change, we're seeing growth. That's critical. Thank you. So how do we develop holy habits? Here's some holy habits for Lent. At the, all the entrances, there is the prayer book we've used for multiple years. It's an app, but it's also a prayer book entitled Seek God for the City. We invite you to use the app or this book. I'm really excited because this year we have also the same thing in Spanish. We have a number of Spanish-speaking folk among us, and we wanted to welcome them and honor them. 
but also we have a whole number of families whose children are doing Spanish immersion. So can I invite you, if your children are doing Spanish immersion, take a Spanish seek God for the city and speak Spanish and let your children teach you about prayer in another language. If young people, here's something for you. Same kind of a thing for kids. And inside your bulletin is a worship schedule for Lent. So we invite you to for holy habits of prayer and the holy habit of worship. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you that you lead and guide us. We thank you lead and guide us. Can we take a moment of silent prayer? Would you ask the Lord to continue his work of making you more like who he is? Would you thank him for what he has been doing? Would you ask for more? Would you pray about some holy habits that you could initiate and seek to live in for the next six months? What are some holy habits that fit you, that are how you're wired and would help you become more like Jesus? And now going back to where we began, Pastor Allen invited us to be children and thank the Lord our Father. So would you say thank you, Lord, good, good Father, for what you've done. We ask your blessing, Lord, as we seek to be more like you. If we do pray in your mighty and loving and holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen.